Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today we have a special episode with two guests. The guests are Jonathan Tuttle and Christian Dukes. So they are both real estate investors, but in a special way. They are not investing in real estate just like everybody else. They do it in a special way that involves the acquisition of mobile homes and entire mobile parks. Now, what's so special about this is that there is so much room for growth and profit in this industry that one of their competitors is Warren Buffett himself and, of course, his investment companies. So just stay around for this. This is a cool show. And here we go. This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up with your host, Quinn Amorum. Welcome to the show, guys. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So uh, before we started talking about real estate and the, exactly everything to do with it, with it, I have a question here for Jonathan. You uh, know you were the number one sales producer in the United States for over 9,000 sales associates at, at a woman's clothing store. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, number one out of 9,000 is, is already in itself like something, something special, right? But that clothing store is, is that the baby? The, the one that I'm not sure how you would pronounce it, but. Yeah. Yeah, they have closed all the locations now. This was last decade. It was my first job. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was a fun run while it lasted before e-commerce kind of took over and before I got into like real estate investing. But my family's always been in real estate, so I was always knew that was be the next transition anyway. But it was fun. I met, met a lot of uh, met a lot of women, and it was a fun fun gig. And our CEO became a billionaire while we were there, so it was, it was a cool experience. Wow! Yeah, so billionaire, and that so that's the company itself. That's a billion dollar company. It was no, it was the company value because he was the largest shareholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Well, it was at the time when I was there, the peak sales were was right around eight or nine hundred million. That was like 2007 and eight, and then after like the last recession, it just went downhill. And a couple of years ago, they reorganized just as an e-commerce store only, mm-hmm. and they closed 300 some locations nationwide. And there was a handful in Canada as well. So, so I guess that gives you a good advantage on the people skills, right? Because you yeah. did them in person. Were those in person sales? Yeah, exactly. It was a brick and mortar retail in Oak Brook. Uh, which is like an outdoor, fancy outdoor mall outside Chicago. Yeah, it was a fun experience. Like literally every day, the goal was to see how you could get new clients in and keep them coming back and happy. Uh, one thing I just did was I always did a hand handwritten notes for every customer that came in. And then I'd go to like Target and I'd buy like toys for their kids. So if they, they're walking by the store, they'd have to come in because the kids would say, hey, we got to go and visit. So I get all like the dollar toys. <laughs> and then I get like roses for the, for the ladies. So nice, take care nice. of people and it comes back to you. So how did you guys how did you guys end up meeting Jonathan and Christian? Oh, we actually um, we actually met here in Chicago, uh, living living downtown. Everybody kind of intermingles. Everybody, I mean, it's it seems like it's going to be a large community, but it's actually very tight. And people know each other. People know people, and just basically, we ran into each other and and met each other. We. Um, just had a great vibe with each other, but then also we connected on a business uh, aspect too. So he has a sales, um, a sales background. I had a sales background, 
And when I moved to Chicago, I, I pursued uh, a career in sales for mortgage banking. And I was actually uh, intrigued by Jonathan being one of the top or being the top producer over at BB because sales has a lot to do with psychology. And I mean, just being guys, we know how tough is it to understand women <laughs> and then using that psychology to be the, the top salesperson for a women's clothing store. I mean, that's, that's just incredible on its own. So, you know, we, we would discuss a couple of things. We'd be joking around like that, but we just had that initial connection there and we didn't even pursue uh, anything uh, as a business, you know, uh, endeavor or anything like that for several years after that. So. And then why real estate? It, that is what you guys do together, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just because of my family background, we've been in that, like specifically the mobile home, it's such a unique space. Uh, and for in America, there is uh, approximately sixty million Americans that need affordable housing, and it's the only form of non-subsidized. It's such a niche. And my dad was, uh, I grew up in a real estate background. My dad was a developer, contractor, built 75 custom homes. And he finally discovered mobile home uh, investing late in his, basically when he retired. <laughs> uh, and so we found that was a great opportunity to get in a niche that's under underserved people. And also at the same time, provide an income for us, you know, through investing and through a course we have coming out for the everyday America, basically. Wow. So I, I see that you, you picked a niche or a niche that is is what we call in the, the commerce world is not the sexy product. And that's, yep. that's the ones that I want yep. because the competitors are not there. Exactly. And uh, so what exactly do you guys do in the mobile home space? So we have two, I'll let you talk to you. We have two products. Uh, yeah, and like you said, it's a blue ocean, basically. Like, at least sexy, it's a lot more opportunity. And now it's started getting a lot of mainstream media because you have Warren Buffett's got $2 billion companies in the space. Uh, obviously, he's considered one of the greatest investors of all time. Then you have Sam Zell, who's considered the greatest real estate investor of all time. And he's, uh, you know, he's got multifamily, he's got office buildings, but his best performing asset has been mobile home. And he's been in the space for the last 30, 40 years. Um, our two products are, we have a new course coming out for the everyday person, how to flip mobile homes. So it's an entry level offer. And then we have the, and basically anybody can do it. Like you, a small mobile home, like a seventies or eighties, specifically an older mobile home, you get it for like a little over a thousand dollars Do very little remodeling and just flip it through like Facebook or Craigslist. So it's not like a regular single family where you have to go in there, tear down walls. Cause if you tear down the walls, the thing will collapse. So it's not like complicated repairs. And the Avenue is just like you said, it's not really competitive, so you're not competing with like the, all those guys on TV that teach how to flip, te- you know, flip houses with rooms full of people doing the exact same technique in the exact same town. So this is an avenue so they could do a step-by-step how to flip mobile homes for very little money down. You could basically a credit card, you could get cash advance. Uh, they flip for five to 15,000, if not more, and some of the, um, the rent-controlled states, like some in the US, there's certain states that are rent-controlled, uh, you could get 20, 30,000 a flip in newer homes. So it's actually a pretty good amount of money for something that's pretty easy, relatively easy compared to any other forms of real estate. And then we have the fund. He can talk about the fund. Yeah. So fund, uh, we will be doing a uh, uh, $10 million raise for the fund. And what it really is, is we're going to be raising this money to then go out and acquire different uh, mobile home parks. And with these mobile home parks, then we'll just improve them. We'll just make sure that they all run uh, to better efficiency, things like that, bring up the value. 
And then with that, we'll also bring up the value of the, the fund together and then bring a positive return to our investors and things like that. Man, this is so exciting. So, yeah. So based on, based on strategy and everything like that, uh, it, it should just work out very well. So when you mentioned buying buy a mobile home to flip, that is just buying the, the building itself, let's say, not the land. You're yeah, just that is correct. It's not even yeah. It's considered. It's basically like a car. Mm-hmm. It's got a VIN number. Uh, it's mm-hmm. basically flipping, like kind of like flipping cars, basically. So you don't need a broker license. You don't need to put out on the MLS or whatever. You know, multiple listing service. We have to pay a broker five or six points. So it's all these. The barrier to entry is so low and so attainable for the everyday person, and it serves a need for finding affordable housing. If one fourth of America needs affordable housing, one fifth, you're providing that solution. There's about eight percent of America lives in mobile homes. It's like you said, it's like this, people don't talk about it, but that's the reality of the situation. Like every, you know, most people, large percentage of population, I think the average income is like 33 in the US, 33,000. So if you're only paying, like for example, on uh, this actually goes along with our fund, like some of our parks, we have a couple of parks in our family and the, the uh, insurance is $10 a month. <laughs> and tax, I mean, tax and insurance, everything all in, it's like, that's all they're paying for uh, affordable, they just pay the lot rent. So after they pay the house off, you know, they've had it for 10, 20 years, there's been a few hundred bucks to have a, in a safe place to live. So, and it's not subsidized by the government. You get to get the same schools, the same library, same police, everything else, but for a fraction, usually a thousand dollars less than a house in the same town, Cloverton House. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And about, about that funding, Kristen, that you mentioned, um, you mentioned about. Uh, doing it to like the whole mobile park. Right. That so that's going to be different from what he was mentioning with the specific homes. So what, what that uh, does with the fund, you're going to be buying the land essentially yeah. you buy the land and then you rent out the plots to the people. So you don't own any of the homes like that, but yeah, I parts, mean, you could, some parks will have that. We would have, we just don't right. have most of them. Yeah. And then, I mean, that, that's, that's a separate uh, issue if you would like to get into that, but we're specifically going to be focusing on the land and things like that. Now, um, but initially when I got into real estate, I was doing uh, mortgage banking for geriatric, uh, a geriatric focus. So I was doing assisted living facilities, independent care facilities, stuff like that. But then I moved over to consulting and I was doing consulting for private equity and that with private equity, they've been putting, they've been actually, uh, changing their focus over to mobile home parks too. So that's, that initially went uh, on my radar like that. And just with that being said, I mean, they are trying to figure out what is going to be the most lucrative investment and what is going to be kind of the next best move. Now, commercial real estate with these corporate big buildings, if you noticed a bunch of different retail uh, uh, centers, they're closing down, things like that. So these aren't things that we really want to move into. We want to be on the forefront of what's the next big move and residential real estate in that regard for mobile home parks. That's the next big move for us. I'm trying to imagine something here. When when you own that land, and let's say I don't know if there's going to be fifty or a hundred homes on that on that lot, mm-hmm. um, how can you ensure that you that you are capable of collecting that that rent for for your land? Is that are you going to get paid directly from the government or from no? The, uh, the uh, yeah the. It's the lowest failure rate of, in the history of all real estate in the last 50 years by, based on bank data. So the banks lending out to fund to advance your question, that's the lowest failure rate of all real estate in the history of real estate. And that's why all the billionaires are getting That's why all of Carlisle Group, 
Blackstone, all the biggest Wall Street is putting a, buying billions and billions of, of real estate. Singapore uh, Investment Fund just bought $2 billion a couple years ago. Everyone's trying to buy billions and billions of dollars of parks because it's the lowest failure rate because it's the cheapest form of real estate. And they can't, the cost for them to move to another park, even if it's across the street, is three to $5,000. If the homes were three to $5,000 and the lot rents the exact same or $10 cheaper, they're not going to go in debt for three years to move it across the street. So that's one of the reasons. And if they can't afford to live there, they're homeless. So there's no other, even if you work a $10 an hour job, you can afford rent. So, and especially some of the senior parks, they just live off their savings uh, and their, you know, the retirement checks. You know, coming from the government, so they're not officially paid by the government, but they can support their rent just from the you know the checks they get from the government, and it's just the lowest form of real estate of failure for real estate. So you don't have to really worry about that. The hands-on management—that's where you know, I've been in the space for 15 years, uh, running parks, and I was previously the head of a uh, Yale Realty, which is a manufactured brokering. We did two billion dollars in closed transactions in uh, park evaluations in the last few years. So we were like considered like the top mobile home park brokerage. So we have a pretty significant background in the space. Do you think, like you mentioned, there's a, a few really big people going into that space. It tells me two things. One, they see the opportunity. So the opportunity has to be there. But also, there's a lot of people that have eyes on what they are doing and they right. may want to jump in. Do you think this could become overcrowded if many start doing it? Yes, it's, we have like a four or five year run. That's it. It's, yeah. it. We won't be able to do it. We'll do two or three funds and then we'll probably switch over to like assisted living. We already know. We're not a, I'm out of parks. Finite. Yeah, you can't develop new ones. There's right. only been, a, you can't because the city gets the lowest form of taxation on it. You remember, like I said, the average unit, the top park owner or the investors with us, it's, the, it's considered how many families live in that community and they get the same school, same fire and everything. They're losing money. That's right. why cities don't allow new parks. Um, and so we have a, you have a huge demand and a finite amount of parks, which means we have a four or five year run to acquire as many parks as possible. And that's why we also have the two solutions. So like to clarify what I was going to say before is the, the mobile home flipping Academy, mobile home wealth Academy is for anybody. So anybody that wants to learn how to get to the easiest level, it's not a high ticket. It's not like something that's going to take a lot of experience and we'll do step-by-step -step teaching them how to flip mobile homes. And the fund is only for credit investors. We're regulated by the SEC. We can't just take anybody. Even if you have $50,000, which is our minimum, um, you have to be a credit investor by the government SEC. So that's why we have two solutions, one for the everyday person. And that flipping those homes as a secondary income could potentially get them into the credit investor. A credit investor by, uh, is considered $200,000 for the last two years and, and or a million dollar liquid. And that doesn't include your house. They don't, government doesn't consider your house an actual investment. Um, Basically, it's considered more of a liability. Man, and how do you how is it holding up right now? With there's so many things going on with COVID nineteen, then there's the riots. Is that helping or hurting? That it's just, it's still the strongest. Let me I'll take this and let you finish. Um, the it's historically like the data has come out. It had the uh, comparatively multifamily went down to about seventy five percent collection of rents, and that's based on the industry trade magazine. Ours we had less than ten percent drop. So you're still getting, you know, 90% collection of revenue. And then uh, and I've talked to other park owners and ours, and ours, we've got almost almost completely everyone paid. So you don't have that because it's, and also additionally, we're doing secondary and tertiary markets. So that means smaller towns outside of major cities. They don't allow parks in major cities usually. So like there's nothing, there's one inside Chicago, but it's like the very, very edge, like basically Indiana. And it's not even in the downtown parts. You're not getting the, 
where the people are riding it was like a total different area. So it's not like they're not riding small towns, basically. It wouldn't make an impact. So we didn't really get the effect. And then with COVID, like I said, you do a hundred bucks a month. So if it's the most affordable housing, they don't have to, you know, if they get behind, they can put it on a credit card. It's not like they're paying thousand or $2,000 a month or a mortgage. They're paying a couple hundred bucks. That's it. Wow. So when it comes to the, the land part, because uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, really enjoy what I'm imagining about that one. Uh, I, I imagine you have this big piece of land empty and you have probably a bunch of investors that got in with that land, but now it's going to need uh, sanitation, cable, water, all that. Is it going to be like, like a micro country, let's say, where you can provide those services too, like almost like a condo fee? No, that's it's everything's sub metered out. So like water, water and sewage is your biggest thing. And mm -hmm. so what you want to do, like for example, one thing you want to identify could be where the city maintains the streets, uh, so that you know, the lights in the streets, like sanitation. It's not always, but sometimes we'll do it. And then additionally, you have the all the all the utilities are usually sub metered out. So like they have to get approval for all their utilities. Um, the, the biggest cost expenditure is going to be just maintaining the the, uh, the water and the sewage. So, and typically uh, it's not, there's zone per, you just, it's not a plot of land, it's zoned per grandfathered in usually of how many lots are allowed on the park. So if it says 60 lots, you can't put 75. You might be in a gray area and be able to get those extra 15 units, but if you go to resell it, or if a city person comes through there and says, hey, you have 75 units now, you have to get rid of those 15. So it's not just like, you don't still have full control, you still have to get zoning stipulations that allow you to have a pad that's allowed by the city. So it's, it's, it's a little more complex, complex than like a basic land. Uh, and like I said, you can't develop new ones. So you're always working with like old rules. A lot of it's like not in my town. So like some of these small towns, if they transition to new management or new mayors and stuff, like the first thing they try to do, which is good for the investor, is get rid of the park. So if you have a park, it becomes even more of a gold mine because like not only is there a huge shortage of people needing affordable housing, the cities don't want them because they don't get the taxation and they have the stigma. Mm -hmm. So you just, all this correlates to like, just like great investment opportunity. And that's why it's been the lowest failure rate because it's all these dynamic features and like the smart money is following the easy money. The easy money has mobile parts. Wow. So imagine somebody listening right now has uh, 250 grand that they want to invest uh, and they contact your, your company and they want to get into, you know, a piece of land. Uh, what is it that they need? They're going to pick the city and and then kind of how do they get, what are the returns that they get? Yeah, so if they don't pick the city, they will eventually, they, they would contact us. We would make sure that they're accredited investors. We would check in and uh, we would see if they're, they're just a proper fit for our fund. But we make the investment decisions. We do the research. We do everything like that. So they don't get to choose which city they you know want to nice. invest in or anything like that. They would just That's invest awesome. in the fund in general are our fund and then we would make all the decisions and yeah they would sit back and just wait for us just like ben cardone's like he's got that's what he has we actually use the same attorney for the fund um one of his um it's literally a passive investment they get a quarterly payout uh the goal is to get obviously uh recurring revenue based on the cash flow and then also you get the uh, the tax benefits is the best but tax benefits depreciation wise. Mm -hmm. uh, typically apartments are 27.5 years. Uh, land's 39 years depreciation. Apartment buildings are 27.5 and land is 15 year depreciation. So you get better tax depreciation from the U.S. government 
Uh, again, we're also going to put in better management through our proven process and that better management so that secures the cash flow long term and also for the uh, appreciation. Over time, we want to get it uh, more stabilized and for appreciation in the cash flow and then also in the equity. So we want to hold the fund, each fund for eight to 10 years. And just like, you know, like any type of other investment fund where it's like you also get the cash flow, the appreciation from taxes, and then also the uh, equity. Right? So it's a cumulative or multi-factor return. And then they just sit there and get uh, the cool thing about us too, is we have a very technology uh, focus. So it's an online portal that they can view their investment. So it's going to be very transparent. It's not going to be like, hey, what's going on? Like literally go on to MidwestParkCapitalFund.com and that's going to have a portal. So they can apply in there, prove that they're a credit investor. They can put their 250000 on there and then they just get that. They can see the real-time updates of what the fund's doing and what the long-term are, you know, objective is for them and for us. So, Okay. I, I like that. I like a couple of things that you said. One is they don't pick where where they want their money's going to go. It's going to go into the fund that the experts that are that you guys right. are going to use it where where you see fit. And then also the, the the tech part where you can see where the money is being yep. used and and on on what that right. that will give people a lot of peace of mind too. Knowing this isn't it just didn't go into I don't know some sort of pyramid. It's right here being used exactly. Right. Sweet. So what are like some of the top things that helped you along the way, like resources, people, mentors, what are some of the top things? Sure, I'll start and I'll let you go. Yep. Um, I think like alluding to what you first started off, uh, like I learned a lot actually, even though it was a retail job, my first job was BB, but I learned like the cool thing about that is I learned how to deal with people on day to day and solve their problems, what they needed. Uh, and that gave me the confidence to do other things. Like it literally was the foundation for everything. Uh, they, it was an integral part of my, like, me growing as a person. So when Manny, Manny Musaf, Musaf, I can't pronounce the name, but when he first became a billionaire, he flew me out to Palm Springs. They'd fly me in for the quarterly meetings. A lot of stuff I implemented became company policy during almost a billion dollar company. That was pretty cool. Uh, and then after that, my dad, obviously growing up in a real estate family. So when I was a kid, I'd work, we'd go, I'd see the flips. Like I'm talking like four or five years old. I'd be on the job site. My dad had three real estate offices doing custom homes. So like the entire journey, I have to see all aspects of like real estate and that was ingrained from the very get-go so when you have something at a very early age you're gonna have a really good foundation long term uh then my former business partner james cook from real realty was the, he's probably the most brilliant broker i've ever met in my entire life and i just learned the foundation and like how to underwrite properties correctly which is going to be really good value for our clients uh just that foundation just on the brokerage side is really going to pay off for us and our fund uh and actually i was supposed to speak before COVID was the one of downturn at the National Manufactured Housing Institute Expo in Vegas. Two of, it was one of the 12 main speakers. And the other speakers are were uh, Warren Buffett's uh, Clayton's Home CEO. It's the industry's largest new manufactured homes. Yeah. That's a billion dollar company, obviously Warren Buffett. Um, and it's one of his billion dollar companies. And also uh, Dr. Ben Carlson, Carson. he's a national uh, secretary of national of Urban, uh, HUD, Housing and Urban Development. He was a former presidential candidate. He was the main keynote. So they gave these really big power players and they actually asked me to be one of the main speakers at the national, it's the biggest expo for manufactured housing mobile parks. So that was pretty cool. That was kind of ties into like my background. So like, I would say those are like some of my background. Uh, I've had a lot of mentors. I always paid for coaches. I've always paid for people to pay to expedite my learning process. So that's one thing I could say to anybody is whatever you want to learn, just like with the mobile home uh, wealth academy, pay to get the speed to execution. 
instead of trying to figure it out, you'll learn as you go, but you need to have a foundation, a correct foundation. If you don't have mentors, you're not paying to get ahead. Even if you go on debt, it's like you're paying your, you're investing yourself. That's the biggest thing. If you invest in yourself now, it's going to pay dividends later. It might not go as what you expect, but it gets you there faster. If you want to get there faster, invest in mentors, invest in courses. Um, you go? Yeah. So with me, it was always about kind of thinking about what would be the next best thing to invest in and what would people need? Not just, oh, I think, you know, fidget spinners or something like that would be the, the hottest thing at the moment, but <laughs> what would people actually need? And everybody needs a place to live. So when I was first doing mortgage banking and we were focusing on geriatrics, it was more so, okay, so the baby boomers, everybody, the, the largest population right now, they're going to need a place to live, you know, eventually when they retire, things like that. And some people haven't been, you know, really uh, made a, a really wise plan for retirement. Maybe they're, they're uh, running low on money, things like that. So what would be a cheaper place for them to live instead of, you know, really, really expensive assisted living facility or something like that. So those were thoughts that I was trying to figure out at the time. And then when I moved over to private equity consulting, a bunch of private equity firms were moving over to mobile home parks. So everything kind of tied into where are people going to live, you know, when they retire and where, you know, where's this next demographic shifting to? So with that, everything kind of just tied in with everything. And then Jonathan and I really, you know, really came to a meeting of the minds and everything because of his mobile home park experience. And then how things have constantly been pointing towards that, you know, in my life, you know, in my experience for, uh, for almost a decade. So that's, that's really where the thought was. And then we got to talking and everything like that. And we just, it just worked out. Everything just kind of the points met, everything kind of just pointed towards that direction. And we decided to team up and then make these, you know, make this happen. How about something a little bit, uh, I was going to say personal. It's not really personal, but it sure. has to do with personality. What are some of the things that you guys do to make your business relationship stay healthy? Communicate. Communicate. Definitely. Like I, he'll attest to it. I, I love working. So like my typical mm -hmm. weeks are 90, 100 hours. And then for me, I'm like very straight to the point. Like I get frustrated when people, after like a second or third time, they don't do what they're, what they, you know, agreed upon doing basically. And he's more patient in that regard. That's why he's doing the investor relationships. Yeah. I'm more straight to the point. Like it's done now. He's more right. like, let me smooth it out. So that's why he's doing the investor relationship. I'm doing more like the, the tactical stuff. So. Yeah. And I also sales and stuff like that. You know that sometimes, you know, especially when you're trying to do a big sale. I mean, you can't just say, okay, you don't want it, forget it. You know, move on. You have to really finesse people and stuff like that. And and a lot of Jonathan's experience, you know, being being a manager here doing this, I mean, he was more delegating things and he's like he's like a bulldog. I mean, he makes things happen. And then his his mind moves really, really quickly. But I I, I you know, I think like, okay, you know, how is this gonna get done? You know, move it back, you know, kind of take a step back, you know. So we we really, yeah, we really uh, work really well together and kind of just it's like a yin and yang kind of thing to make the, the bigger picture happen bigger picture happen. Nice. Yeah. You know, every industry that I talk to people in so many industries and in different uh, niches or niche, uh, and there's always, um, what do you call misconceptions about everything? Every idea has somebody that thinks wrongly about it. Is there anything in your type of business that you, you believe uh, is a misconception? Do you want to debunk? Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest stigma is mobile home parks. Like you think of like eight mile, you think of like Eminem, right. everything about right. it, or 
whatever media portrays it. There's and there's oh, a man, whole spectrum. Know. There's like there is slum lords and there's people that have neglected it. A lot of these parks were developed in the 60s, 70s. Actually, in their initial when they first came out, they were actually the most expensive form of like the luxury living back in the 50s. It was like mm-hmm. Elvis lived in it. He actually had his own park. Like it was all very Hollywood, very glamour back when it first came out. It was like, you know, kind of like how RVs, luxury RVs, when you spend 200000 on an RV nowadays. It was, that was like the stigma back then. It was very luxury. And then over time, it became, you know, some of them got neglected. You always have two spectrums. You have and the, the low end where people just like slumlord, they don't care, they just collect rents, they've had it for 30 years. And every, every park owner is a multi-millionaire just because of the value of the uh, income producing real estate. So maybe some of them didn't maintain it and that gets that stigma. Um, and there is like there is some bad parts. So it's definitely if they're not rules and regulations aren't in place, if the managers are hands off, just like anything, if you neglect it, it'll go to crap. And then there's also on the other spectrum where you have uh like very luxury, uh like the institutional quality products where it's you know, six hundred, eight hundred, like if they're someone in Colorado, eight hundred a month rent, like and they have houses that are fifty, hundred thousand dollars for newer, like the new clay and homes are hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Like it's not that's not even affordable at that point. It's just a normal house basically. Uh you know, plus you're paying the eight hundred dollar lot run on top of the you know the mortgage. So there's a whole spectrum. Uh, you you see everything that parks. It, nothing kind of fades you after a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about pride of ownership, and it's also the expectation is people. And that's one thing we want to do too with the, uh, the the mobile home wealth academy is like, hey, there is a stigma behind it, but that's a lot of opportunity for it. And then also at the same time, when you're flipping these, you're making improvements. You're also providing a quality place of life, and you can change that stigma one house at a time. Yeah, and that was the thing that I wanted to mention too, and and kind of the words out of my mouth ride part because just by beautifying the area by bringing everything up and the quality and everything i mean it's gonna the people are gonna have pride in where they live and then that's gonna boost their their esteem that's gonna boost everything so you know and then also establish a community if it wasn't even established then but everybody i mean everything just goes up with that the 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 attitudes you know the the just the mindset goes up with with having a more beautiful place to live absolutely now there's a Something we mentioned at the beginning of, of the show that there was the fact that it's it's not the sexy business, right? It's the right, right. Uh, it reminded me of years ago in the oil field, there was a lot of these portable offices. Basically, they were like mobile homes, but turned into offices. And because this was very remote, it was 500 kilometers to the nearest city. Right. Um, so everything had the portable uh you know the portable uh, what do you call it like sewer stations i guess right okay. <laughs> and there was a guy that would come over all the time with the truck that would go in and suck those liquids out right yeah Set and trust. he was always the happiest person around right <laughs> and uh, one day i asked him I was like oh, man you're, you're always happy he's like life is beautiful i'm like really <laughs> It doesn't look like it. Right? Your job is not the, the sexiest. Glamour, right. Yeah. And you know what he said? That's why I picked it. I can work 30 days a month if I want to. Nobody else wants this. So the right. pay is super high. Mm-hmm. And I can do, I can, he could work 24 hours a day if he was allowed by law because nobody right. else wanted it. Right. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, the so, the yep. Yeah. So what do you think? If somebody that is listening to this and they, they're thinking, well, this is a great opportunity, maybe I should get into it too. Like, what do you think, what would you want to advice give to those people that are pursuing, want to pursue something similar? 
Well, get more knowledge, get more knowledge. Um, that's the first thing, just seek, you know, personal education, things like that. Um, that's also why we offered uh, the Mobile Home Wealth Academy, um, just to offer more knowledge to people. I mean, this is a niche that it's, it's, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of uh, a lack of knowledge and just, just expand your mind and be open to new opportunities, be open to new things that are, you know, presented to you. And, and just don't be so locked in a certain kind of mindset you know the people that live in these parks they aren't like in a lot of them aren't like in the movies and things like that they're just like you and me they just need a you know uh maybe you you've heard of for instance uh matthew mcconaughey living in a tiny home and things like that a lot of hollywood are moving to tiny homes, even though they can afford more it's kind of just they they're wanting to do something a little bit more you know uh, cost effective so uh just don't be locked in a certain mindset and be open to opportunity what he's alluding to, uh, there's what's called Malibu Cove, uh, Paradise Cove in Malibu. It's right on the ocean, and there's a lot of Hollywood that's undercover. The houses go between three to five million dollars, and the neighbors complain because you have these 20, 40, 50 million dollar houses, 10 million dollar houses next door on Malibu, and they're paying like 39 dollar fucking special tax. And they're like, We're paying you know, hundred thousand dollars in taxes, and they have they're right in the same ocean, the same beach. And then also, there's one in New York, I can't remember the name of it, but there's like three or four billionaires that live in it, it's like in uh, the Hamptons. It's like the, the trailer park to billionaires in the Hampton. It's right in the ocean, the same thing. And then the guy, former founder of Zappos, he lives in a trailer park in uh, Las Vegas. And he's worth, what, 850 million or something like that, 900 million? So it's, it's, there's people out there that are just, just quiet about it. So, you know, it's okay. Yep. Yep. That's definitely true. Yeah, I know that for a fact because of that's that place that I mentioned to you earlier because of the, the lack of available land, because it's the, the land around it is owned by the Queen of England somehow. Um, and because it's so limited, um, it's it's the trailer and the land, right? But I mean, the average is, is around 350 to 400,000. And it's, it's not, there's no ocean, there's not, it's not a beautiful place, right? right? But um, so, if I wanted to take the course and people listening want to take the course and they want to know where to find it, also the name of your business and where to find that as well. Sure. But the course, we're, we haven't finished yet. We're actually working on it right now, but it's uh, the funnel is coming out very soon within the, within the second week of July. So depending on when this airs, uh, the real domain is uh, mobilehomewealthacademy.com. That's not the funnel. So, but just, it'll, it'll be on Google, Mobile Home Wealth Academy. You can also go to our Facebook page. Uh, and that's another cool thing too. Like with the, when we do our course, we're also going to have a private community on Facebook. So help them any questions they have, keep them motivated. We'll have a lot of top industry resources on there to help them along the journey to help them succeed. So that's the Mobile Home Wealth Academy. And then for the Midwest Park Capital is midwestparkcapital.com or midwestparkcapitalfund.com. The fund, midwestparkcapitalfund.com is the actual, you can actually see the PPM on there after you apply. Um, and that's that's how you get that. Very good. So I'll have I'll make sure to put those on the show notes, and let's see if I caught really quickly MidwestParkCapital.com, MidwestParkCapitalFund.com. Yep. And, and then MobileHomeWealthAcademy.com. And we want a couple other domains too. I, I just haven't set them up yet. So. Perfect. But I'll make sure to have that in the show notes, awesome. and uh, I uh, wish you all the best. And I'm I'm Thank actually you. super excited for this. Um, maybe I should start something similar right here in Canada. And see. Hey, yeah, good, yeah. yeah. Or stay tuned, and then definitely uh, come come back to us, and and let's see if we can work together. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure having you here. Uh, as well. Thank you, Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.